Let's grab our Bibles. 2 Kings chapter number 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. We will jump right in here to the story. It's a short story. Um, it's called The Coincidence. And, uh, and we all know that with God there is no such thing as coincidence. I'll give you these outlines. You guys can follow along. All six verses are right there in that on that paper. So, well, just as we get ready to read this text, I just kind of explain a little bit. Um, Elisha, this story. Uh, it's important to understand. It's important to know that sometimes in the Bible. Everything is not always in chronological order. Um, even the book order um, in the Bible is not necessarily chronological order. Well, I believe, I, just for instance, I believe the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Um, if, you put the, if you put the time period which Job takes place, it takes place during the book of Genesis. But... Anyways, but it's not in, the Bible's not in chronological order. So this story is going to take place, and it's not in chronological order. It's going back in time to telling a story. I'm not for sure what, why, or why it was placed in here uh, at this time, because if you remember, I don't know, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't, but there he had a servant named Gehiza, and Gehiza wanted to take something that didn't belong to him after Naaman. Um, I don't, Naaman was healed and he wanted the money that Naaman was going to give him. And, uh, he went and took the money that Naaman gave him and Gehiza was, was, uh, you know, God said, you're done. You're not following my, my servant. But in this text in second Kings chapter number eight, Gehiza pops up in the story, but we know that it wasn't exactly right after what had just taken place in, in, in second Kings chapter number seven. So let's go ahead and read in chapter number eight. Um, and then also, this is the story of the Shunammite woman. Uh, those of you that remember the Shunammite woman, the Shunammite woman uh, helped house uh, Elisha. Also, her son was raised from the dead. And uh, so the Shunammite woman was involved with two different miracles. And this is going to be the third miracle in which the Shunammite woman is involved with. So Second uh, Kings chapter 8, and let's read in verse number 1. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, which is the Shunammite woman, saying, Arise and go, thou and thy household, and sojourn wheresoever thou, can, thou canst sojourn. For the Lord shall call, the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall, it shall also come into this land seven years. So let's look at this revelation that God gives Elisha. God gives Elisha telling him that there's going to be a famine. Now, if you go back in this text, remember the story um, and how that there was a famine in the land, but just it was in that city, okay? So it's not necessarily that famine that was there, and that famine didn't last seven years. This famine lasted seven years, a revelation that God gave to Elisha that this land was fixing to experience a, a uh, famine, so at this time period, the famine lasted seven years. If you remember correctly, Elisha's famine lasted how many years? Three and a half years. 
So it was double the amount of time in which the famine lasted with Elisha. So here we are, seven years, the revelation that God gave Elisha that there was going to be a famine. Now, if you will look, you don't have to, you can make a note of it or whatever, but in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 11, the book of Psalms, chapter 105, verse 16, twice in the Bible, a famine um, is prophesying that it would take place uh, concerning uh, the famine. So famines look, are, are planned by God. They're controlled by God and they're ordered by God. Um, it's not just by some circumstance that this famine took place. It, was, it took place because God wanted it to take place when it took place. Now, if you ta- keep your Bible there in 2 Kings, if you will, take your Bible to Leviticus. I want to share a verse with you. In Leviticus chapter number 26, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 26, I want to read to you a text here. The Bible gives us an instruction here in, in, in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 18. 26, 18, the Bible says, and... If, well, let's back up, verse 16. I also will do unto you, I will even appoint over your utera consumption and the burning age that shall consume the eyes and shall cause sorrow of the heart. You shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. Verse number 17 of chapter 26. And I will set my face against you and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursueth. Verse number 18, chapter 26, listen to what he says. He said, and if you will not hark, if you will not yet for all of this, hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin. So Moses, in the book of Leviticus, tells us, That if you will not hearken unto the Lord, the Lord has told you, the Lord has told you, the Lord has told you, and he's told you, and he's told you, and he's told you, and if you won't hearken to him, the Bible says in verse number 18, that I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now you wonder what was taking place in this text. Elisha... Elisha was preaching, but they were, they were being punished for their sin. They're, they were not hearkening to Elisha. They were not hearkening to the truth. They didn't want the truth. They didn't want that, that, but God was punishing them for their rebellion. And that's what he tells it. It's, it's actually prophecy of what was going to take place, that it would. Hey, if you don't hearken, God will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now, I would pray and hope that there is never a time that God punishes me seven more, seven times more for my sin. But I, th- I, I think that it happens when we won't hearken to God's word. And he tells us and he tells us and he tells us. It's kind of like children. Um, I, I feel like uh, when I tell my child to do something, I ought to just tell them one time. And, uh, and if they don't listen to me, then they ought to get a whooping. All right. That, that's just how I am. I, I don't. I don't need to have to tell you 500 times to pick it up. If I tell you to pick it up, pick it up one time. Then, so, so as, as God, God gives it, God's not like that. God tell us and tell us and tell us and tell us. He's, he's long-suffering. 
He gives us opportunities. He gives us a chance to get right. But here it is. These children of Israel, they've been dealing with this for years. They've not, re- they've not responded to God at all. They've not responded to Elisha's miracles. They've not responded to Elijah. They've not responded to any of it. They just keep rejecting, keep rejecting, and they won't hearken to it. And guess what God does? Okay, I'm going to punish you seven times more for your sin and cause a, a famine for seven years. Now, now there's, there's also what I, I believe as well, there will come a day, as um, I need to look that verse at, uh, Amos chapter 8. Amos, Amos chapter 8. There will come a day when we will experience a famine. Amos Obadiah, I'm trying to see here. Amos chapter 8. There will come a day when we will experience a famine and it won't be of food and it won't be of water and it won't be of rain. Bible says in chapter chapter 8 and verse 11, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There will come a day when people refuse to hear God's word. I believe that we are close, if not there. People refuse to hear the word of God. People don't want to hear the truth. They're offended. They would rather choose to be offended by what someone said, even if it's the truth. I like, I like to be able to communicate with someone and be able to tell them the truth and not worry about hurting their feelings. Because if we're able to communicate the truth to each other, guess what we can have? An open conversation. But if we won't tell the truth to each other, guess what we cannot have? We can't have an open conversation. But God says there will come a day where there will be a famine and it won't be a bread and it won't be a water and it'll be of hearing the word of God. I believe that's where we are today or close to it. Not only is it a famine of, of people hearing the word of God, but I also believe there's a famine of, of today of being able to tell the truth. Preachers don't tell the truth. Well, when I say that, I'm talking about preaching the truth. They don't like to preach the truth. Many, many churches across our land today are filled with people that won't even preach against sin, won't even preach against hell, won't even preach that hell is real and heaven is, heaven is to gain. They won't preach that. They're afraid, to, again, to offend somebody, make somebody mad. They, they want to tickle the ears, as the Bible says. That's right. That's right. Well, look, I, I, need, I need good toe-stepping uh, toe on, my, on my feet. I, I listen to preaching, too. When I, I, I like to listen to at least one or two sermons a week. Because I need preaching. I need a preacher to step on my toes. Um, and uh, so do each and every one of us do as well. And not worry about tickling ears. And, that, and, that's, and, and that's something I want you to know too. A lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm not sitting here trying to aim at somebody. I'm trying to preach. I'm trying my best to preach the, the Word of God the way that God has given it to me. And if it so happens, it hits somebody it hits somebody. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. I'm, I, 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 one, I, I never want to use this Bible to hurt anybody. 
I don't want anybody to walk out of here saying, man, that preacher was preaching at me. I don't want anybody to ever think that. But I'm going to preach the truth. And if it happens that someone leaves and says, man, that preacher was preaching against my sin and he's pointing at me, I don't want that to happen. I, don't, I, I like to be everybody's friend. I don't like to make people mad. But there might, may be a time I preach against something that, that, that's sin and they don't like it. Make somebody mad. It's not my intention at all. And we go back to this story. The revelation was, hey, there's a famine in the land. You got to get out of here. It's, seven, it's going to last for seven years. You got to get your family out of here. That's a pretty, that's a, in my opinion, that's a pretty tall ask. Would you agree? Hey, there's a famine coming to Southeast Texas. Get your family out of here right now. What would you do? If God said, if God said there was a famine, there was coming, and you needed to uproot your family right this minute and go. Now, he told her to go where, he, where she needed to go. He didn't tell her where to go. He just told her to get some safety. So we see the revelation. <laughs> Let's see her response. What's her response? Look at verse number two. The Bible says, and she what? And the woman what? <laughs> she arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. How long did she stay in that land? How long? How long was the famine going to last? She didn't try to come back early? She didn't cry. And also in this text, do you see her questioning Elisha? She knew. She knew what Elisha was saying was true because Elisha had raised her son from the dead. She believed in God. She knew that Elisha was telling the truth. And so when Elisha said, hey, you need to leave, she said, okay, let's go. And so she took all of her belongings. She took all of her house. She took all of her food. She took all of her household, uh, her chickens, her, her, her sheep, her goats, her uh, donkeys, everything with her and, and went down the road. Uh, as, and she arose. Hey, there's a famine. All right, I'll see you later. And she arose. That's what the, and she arose. She didn't wait till the next morning to do it. And she arose. That was her response. What's our response sometimes when God gives us a revelation? Well, hold on a minute. Do you remember that story? I don't know. We, I thought maybe in Sunday school or something. Um, well, I got to sell some land. Hold on. No, it was revival, wasn't it? Brother Kevin was preaching. I need to sell some land. Hold on. I got to sell some land. I got to bury my dad. No. When he said, she arose. She arose. God spoke to my heart when I was preparing this. Hey, there's many times that I've kind of like, okay. Dragging my feet, you know. Not doing it. She did it promptly. She did it immediately. She didn't question. She didn't question. Anybody have any thoughts? You know, preacher, the Israelite people love punishment. Yeah, they did. You know, and They're a stiff-backed people. <laughs> you know, I see us today liking punishment just like they did. I agree. Because we don't do what God tells us. We do the things that we want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And put God on the back burner and everything. Mm-hmm. Then we get in trouble and say, oh, God, where are you at now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they, they do. They do. They did the same thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, they push it all the way to the limit. They push it all the way to the line. You know, they, I mean, and, and many times we're, we're probably guilty of that too. Uh, well, I can go all the way to here. Let's see. 
Let's see if I can get any closer, you know, to the out-of-bounds line, to the, to the line I shouldn't cross. <coughs> but they chose, to, they chose to push the line. They chose to disregard, in my opinion, disregard even the truth of God because Elisha preached the truth and they refused to stop worshiping Baal. They refused to stop worshiping the idols. But, you know, in all of this, it's just one step after another, uh, one step taken in the wrong direction. And you go all the way back because you go all the way back to David when David was king. David didn't worship Baal. David didn't have Baal worshipers. David didn't have the groves that they had in this time period here. But do you know what took place? His son did. His son brought in women that, that were ungodly. His son brought in women that, were, that worshiped all kinds of gods. And so when he came into town and when Solomon did what he did, this is, this is a result a long-ended result of Solomon not living right and not being right and not doing right because of him wanting different gods. And, and as, well, as well as us, look, we affect our, our children, our grandchildren, and those that come behind us a hundred years. We're reaping the benefits. We live in America, I believe, the greatest country in the world. But we're not reaping the benefits of those that, that are our governors today. And we're not reaping the benefits of those that are our president, uh, you know, over the past 60 years. We're reaping the benefits of those who decided to come to America and found this country the way they did. I mean, you go look at the history, and they founded it because of religious freedom. That's why they came to America, so they could worship whoever, wherever, whenever they wanted to, because they were tired of the Church of England telling them when they could worship, how they could worship, and what church they had to go to. They didn't want it anymore. What do we reap? That benefit of that taking place. These children of Israel are reaping the benefit of those saying, nope, turn off to God, turn off to God, turn off to God, turn off to God. King after king after king after king after king who said, no, I will not hearken to God. And God's punishment comes. It's coming for America. I will not hearken to God. I will not hearken to God. I will not hearken to God. The, the, the punishment will come. Just like that text I read. In Leviticus, he said that if you refuse or you will not hearken, I will punish you seven times of your sin. All right, anybody else have any thoughts? Anybody have any questions? No? Okay. Let's move to point number three. And then we'll be done. Well, let me back up and say a couple, one, one thing. Look at, um, look at the word, her household. Uh, she took her whole household. Then you look at, you look at uh, the last word of, that, of, that, of uh, chat, uh, verse number two. What does it say? How long did she stay? I, I say, when you say that's patience, when is this going to end? When can I go back home? When can I go, when can I go back to my bed? When can I go back to my house? and my food, and my place, and my hometown. I mean, that's patience waiting on God. But, you know, she believed the lie. That's right. He said seven years. That's right. She adhered to that seven That's right. She didn't go back before then. No. That's right. She did not. And she, like I said, probably she wanted to come home. Of course. You know. Check on her house. She stayed away seven years. That's right. Check on her land. Check on her pond. Check on her fence. I, I mean, she, had, she left her house behind. That was her house. 
And, and that's actually the next point is what takes place to her house when she gets back. Guess what? It's not her house anymore. Someone's living in it. Look at verse number three. And it came to pass at the, at the, at the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. Guess what that means? Somebody was living in her house that wasn't supposed to. That's my house. So she goes to the king. She's needing to go to the king to, uh, to talk to him uh, because of her land and, and her house. Look at verse number four. <coughs> and the king talked with Gehiza, the servant of the man of God, which is the Gehiza of of the one that wanted the money with Naaman. So understand that this, this is not in chronological order, okay? So, so continue to read. Uh, saying, tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king that he had restored a dead body to life. Liz, uh, think about this for just a second, okay? So verse number three is taking place. She's coming to the king to tell him that her house is gone, uh, that someone wants her house back and her land back. And it just so happens that Gehiza is already before the king telling how great things that Elisha had done. And then he goes into the story. He said in verse number four, uh, verse 5, sorry, this is where we stopped at. He said, and it came to pass, he was telling her how the king restored, how he, I'm oh, sorry, how he, the, uh, Elisha, had restored a dead body to life, and that behold, guess who walked in the door? And the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehiza said, my lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha hath, re- hath restored to life. Look, it was a coincidence There is no such thing as coincidence. It was appointed by God that, he, that the Shunammite woman and her son would walk in at the exact time Gehiza was standing before the king saying, Hey, look, Elisha had raised this little boy from the dead. And all of a sudden, whoa, hey, king, look, it's the boy that Elisha raised from the dead. Whew. They no coincidence by God. Verse number six. <laughs> and when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, restore what? How much? How much of hers? All of hers. And all the what? All the fruits of the field since the day that she left even until now. He said, restore unto her all the fruit that was taken from the field in which she lived in, all the peaches that grew on the peach tree, all the apples that grew on the apple tree, everything that she got up out of the ground, all the potatoes that they planted and that grew all the seven years she was gone, give it to her. Why? I won't tell you why. Because she followed God. That's right. That was the most important thing that she would do was to follow God. Nothing else mattered. She left her house and said goodbye and came back and God gave it all back to her plus some. Plus seven years. Plus seven years worth of fruit. How much fruit is that? It's a lot of fruit. Seven years worth of fruit. Someone come drop seven years worth of fruit in my lap. I better learn how to can. You better believe it. Preserve them. I better be calling somebody to help me preserve some fruit. You think that's what she called? She had to go call somebody to help her preserve some of that fruit that, that he gave her seven years worth. And I'm telling you, it would have never happened. 
if she would have stayed there. Because she could have possibly died in a, in a famine that lasted seven years, being a widow, being an old woman without a husband. No provider of the home. No way to make money in a dark time. You tell me, what happens when you follow God? You do. It pays to serve God. It don't pay money. You know, you're not going to necessarily get rich by serving God, but God's going to take care of you. Just like he took care of that Shunammite woman. And it's, look, and it's not about getting rich. Look, money's great, but money, money's not what it's about. Because I ain't taking none of that with me. I've said it before, and, I've, and I'll say it until the day that I die. The only thing that I can take with me on this earth is other people. If I don't take other people with me, then what's good? what am I taking? Myself? Mm. I would hope and pray that I can take some people with me. All right, I'm done. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? Anybody have any thoughts to add before I close? I love it. I love it. It ought to encourage each and every one of us to live for God because it pays to serve God. Look, this lady, she gave up something that she had and God gave it back to her. And immediately, right then, just now, what came to my mind is Job. He lost everything he had. But but God gave it back to him. Everything. Everything. Plus some. <clears throat> the, boy, the story of the five loaves and two fishes. I, I get these mixed up because there's two different stories, and so I, I don't remember which one's which. But in one of those stories, when they fed the 5,000, or when, when they got done feeding all of them, the Bible says there was 12 baskets remaining. Yeah. Now, how in the world was there 12 baskets remaining when all the boy had were five loaves and two fishes? Yeah. <laughs> because God will give back way more than you'll ever give that's why you can't outgive God. That's right. Financially, uh, your life, your time, your effort, your your just everything you do, you can't outgive God. That's right. Your tithes and everything. You can't. You can't. Can't do it. That's right. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us again to be here together. I pray that you...